How's everybody doing? Everybody's kind of sleepy today. Can we agree on that? Kind of sleepy? I thought the parents would be like just ready for worship today, right? Most of you kids are either back in school or going back tomorrow. Maybe it's the teachers that are bringing things down right now, right? Because you're back. Well, we're so excited to be with you. Uh, don't miss next week because uh, we were just kind of um, running a little uh, test run here today. Next week, Matt is going to try to break the Guinness World Record of number of instruments played in one worship gathering. So don't miss that. Matt's going to be setting up to do that. Uh, I, I've got to be really honest with you. I don't know if I am more excited about what we got to experience last week. And if you missed it, we want to encourage you to participate as we talked about my lost list. We encouraged each of you who are followers of Jesus to come up with five people that you can and that you will be praying for over and over again that need to come to know Jesus. And I also want to just let you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, we're just seeing a lot of people come to faith in Christ. And we celebrate that, and it's wonderful, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So don't quit praying. Don't quit sharing. Um, keep uh, doing what you're doing in faithfulness to Jesus. I'm also very excited about next week. So I talked about last week and next week. Next week, we're kicking off a, a vision casting series for our church, and I'm really excited about it. It's called The Future's So Bright, you got to Wear Shades. How can you not be excited about that? You do not want to miss next week. And then this week, today, we're going to talk about my one word. Now, if you were here about a year ago, uh, this time uh, last year, uh, you may be familiar with what we're about to talk about. A lot of you heard us um, share this idea last year of picking one word for the year and allowing God to use it in your life. And so we're going to um, offer up that idea for you all today uh, to participate in. And man, God did so many amazing things through it. And we're going to explain the idea today, and more so than that, and more importantly than that, we're going to look at God's Word today. So Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6 is where we're going to read. We'll be looking at a few other verses, but Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Uh, I don't mind telling you that Philippians 1 and verse 6 is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It just is a great promise of God. It provides great hope, and um, I believe it speaks into our lives in a huge, huge way. It's one I run to often. Um, I don't know if you grew up in church or not, um, but I did. Grew up singing that little song, He's Still Working on Me. In fact, there is audio, like cassette tape out there somewhere of me as like a five-year-old, not pronouncing his R's very well, singing He's Still Working on Me. And so anyway, it's out there. I will not do that for you today. All right, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I want to read that again. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now let me ask you a question, and this is one of those questions I would like for you to participate in responding to. And you know me, you can give me any kind of answer you want to. You can grunt at me. You can tell me no. You can give me a <clears throat> if you want to, or you can give me a yeah, all right? Let me ask this question. Based on Philippians 1 verse 6, let me ask this question. Has God begun a good work 
within you? I'm asking, has God begun a good work within you? Please answer. Mm, Resounding yes from many of you. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, understanding your sin and him being your Savior, he has begun a good work in you. Great moment right now for you to flash back to last year or 50 years ago when God began that work in you. For me, I've told you this before, it goes back to some ugly brown shag carpet and a a, a yellow velour couch and my dad with an open Bible. That was the moment for me of faith that God began a good work in me. Well, the good work in you and in me, it begins with the good news. The good news of Jesus. The good news that Jesus lived a perfect life, that Jesus died a horrible death, And that Jesus rose up from the grave triumphantly for you and I to experience redemption. Everybody say redemption. Redemption. It's a big word. Um, I I use it quite often. I don't know if you notice it or not. It's a word that's worthy of you looking into, finding out deeper definition on and meaning behind. Because it's what God does in our life when we place our faith in Jesus and the good news that he brings to us. So he redeems us. He buys us out of the lost state that we are in, in our sin, who we are without Christ. And he changes us to become in him. And he redeems us from our lost state to a saved, redeemed, righteous place. Have you ever known someone that was, I mean, not just not, not just kind of messed up in sin, you know, not like, yeah, I lied to my parents a couple times, you know. But, I mean, have you ever known somebody that, like, really has, like, mm, I mean, you, you, didn't know if, you didn't know if you ought to pray for them or not they were so bad, right? Like, you ever known somebody like that? Uh, you didn't know if they even deserved to be on your loss list or not they were so bad. And you watched God make himself real to that person, And that person placed their faith in Jesus, offering up to Jesus only themselves and only their sin, all of it. And God get a hold of their life, forgive them of their sin, and put them on a completely different path, and they're a completely different person now. You ever known somebody like that? You know what that's called? That's called redemption. That's called God working the good news and a good work in a bad, bad person's life. Now, there's some of us in the room who are like, I I was that person, right? That was me. Well, that's redemption. That's redemption. There's no one too bad that he will not redeem them. He will redeem anyone. Yes, anyone. Have you ever noticed anybody who has experienced just really tough stuff in life? And they just seemingly have joy in and through those tough, hard circumstances in life. You ever seen anybody like that? I mean, you just look at them, you're like, man, what, what is going on with them? They should be moaning, they should be groaning, they should be griping, they should be complaining, they should be, maybe even go so far, they should be turning their back on God right now, and you just watch them, and you see such a joy in them. Let me tell you what you're witnessing. You're witnessing the same gospel in their life, that you saw in that person's life who was so bad, you didn't know if they were redeemable or not, or not, and God changed them and put them on the right path and they're a different person now. You're seeing the same gospel at work. Here's what we've got to know. If you have bought into the lie 
that the gospel is only good for you to pray a prayer and then go to heaven, you have missed you have underestimated the power of the gospel and the desire of God to work in your life. Is the gospel about you praying a prayer and experiencing heaven through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But the gospel and the desire of God is also for him to redeem not only you, but the very things that you're experiencing in Life, he wants to redeem you and he wants to redeem the things that you're going through so that he can receive honor and glory in his life. Because here's what I've heard from those people that are going through really tough stuff in life and you see joy in them. They very humbly, if you ask them, they very humbly tell you about Jesus. They very humbly tell you about his power. They very humbly tell you about his presence. And what they're experiencing is God not only redeeming them, but redeeming them through the tough circumstances that they're in in life. I would call that a good work. So let me throw this idea on the screen, this truth on the screen for you, uh, for you to think about, to wrestle with, to start working out in your own life, and that is this. Your effort, your effort is not to change but to remain in a place where God can change you. Your effort is not to change, but to remain in a place where God can change you. Wait a minute. That sounds like effort to me. We're not saying there's no effort. We're just directing our effort. You see, where some of you are right now in your life and in your relationships, in your Christianity, is you're putting in a lot of effort, and you're like, I'm going to make this better, and I'm going to be better, and I'm going to change, and I'm going to do different, and I'm not going to do that anymore, and I'm going to start doing that, and effort, effort, effort. We're not saying. What we're offering up to you today is no effort. We're actually saying the effort is going into placing yourself and remaining in that place where God can change you. Most of us can't change ourselves. We've proven that over and over again, haven't we? We fail. We promise. We fail. We try. We don't accomplish. We try again. We don't get it done. Some of us are stuck in the same stuff we were stuck in five years ago. But here's what I know. If Jesus can come back from the dead, he can do anything. And I believe that he can change me, and I believe that he can change you, and I believe that if you've already placed your faith in him, he has begun a good work that he is planning on finishing, and he's not planning on you finishing it, he's planning on him finishing it. And what he wants you to do, what he wants me to do, is to remain in a place where he can change us. To remain in a place where he can change us. So is this going to take patience? Absolutely. Don't give up. Is this going to take perseverance? Absolutely. Don't quit. Is this going to take faith? Absolutely. Don't stop trusting. Even when everything goes sideways, and that may be where some of you are this morning. Maybe everything in your life right now is going sideways. It's not going according to your plan. It's not going the way you thought it would go. Don't stop trusting. This is where the idea of my one word can be incredibly helpful, okay? My one word, just picking one word to focus on for the year, here's what it can do. It can create alertness, awareness, and focus in our relationship and growth with God. 
That's what my word can do. It's simply the idea of picking one word to focus on and to allow God to work in us and through us and to change us and to grow us over the next year. The idea is not commitment. It's dependence. It's dependence. It's me saying, God, here's an area of my life, and I keep just not doing well in it. Maybe I'm, I'm just miserably failing in it. And God, I'm going to depend upon you to do what I've not been able to do yet. I've been on this earth however many years, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. And God, this year, I'm just going to trust, and I'm going to trust, and I'm going to trust. And just like I believed in you to forgive me of my sin and give me a home in heaven, I'm going to believe in you to change me and to grow me in this particular area that you want to grow me in and to change me in this year. It's going to take tenacity. It's going to take commitment. But the commitment is to stay dependent on Jesus. It's this, it's this um, help in causing you and I to stay focused on him no matter what comes our way. To get us into a position where we can be deeply affected in our souls for the honor and glory of Jesus. So your effort is not to change but to remain in a place where God can change you. The word changes you. Let that rest for just a moment. Put that on the screen. The word changes you. Now, we have heard story after story, and so many of you have been so kind to share your story over the last year of what God did through your one word. And I'm going to share one of those stories with you in just a minute. The word changes you. It sharpens your focus. It heightens your senses. Um, you ever bought a new car or a different car? You know, you get that new ride, you know. Have you ever noticed when you get that new ride how you notice the same car everywhere else all of a sudden? Have you ever noticed that? My one word will have the same effect on you. You'll be watching a movie. You're like, hey, that was my word. Wow. You're watching a commercial. Hey, they used my word right there. It's in big, bold print. Where'd that come from? You'll be in a conversation. It will pop out at you. You'll be reading your Bible, and it will leap off the page at you. And may I suggest to you that I believe picking one word has the potential to change the way you read the Bible. Again, let's go deeper with this truth. The word changes you. Let's move now from my one word and your one word to the word. Look at um, James chapter 1 and verse 21. James chapter 1 and verse 21. Again, my one word, it's just an idea. I believe it's an idea that God can use. But what we're about to talk about right now is not an idea. It is a truth that will radically impact your life. James chapter 1, verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Anybody going to be busy in 2018? Okay, you're a follower of Jesus now. That's not who you are anymore. All that junk, all that stuff, all that muck, and all that yucky, sinful, that's not who you are anymore. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It goes on in verse 21 there to say, and humbly, humbly, 
except the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Now, here's the deal. You can't humbly accept something if you haven't been exposing yourself to it. In 2018, church, we've got to get our Bibles open, our hearts open, and our minds open to Scripture. Church, respond just a little bit the next time I say that. In 2018, we have got to get our Bibles open, our hearts open, and our minds open to the Word of God. Okay, all right. We we just have to. Why? Look what it says. Look what it says. If you humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, it has the power to save your souls. And here's what some of you may be saying right now. Well, I guess I don't need to read the Bible because I prayed a prayer and he saved me and I'm going to heaven. Wonderful. That means you're not on my lost list. But guess what? God's still working on your soul. You think your soul doesn't affect your relationship with your wife? Oh, yeah, it does. You think your soul doesn't affect the way you go about life every day? God is trying to redeem you every single day. He's trying to redeem your relationships and to redeem you in a way that brings glory and honor to him. He's working on our souls. He's working on our souls. The word changes you. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. When you get into the Word of God, you are interacting with something that is alive and powerful, and it will change your life. The Word changes you. Let's keep this truth of the word changes you going and get even a little bit deeper in this and understand the power of the word. We understand that the word is the Bible, but look at John chapter 1 and verse number 14, and we'll go a little bit further with this to really understand uh, how powerful and how um, amazing the word of God is and what the word is. John chapter 1 and verse 14. So the Word, okay, you think about the Word, we're thinking about the Bible now, but now it's going to take us to another level. John chapter 1, verse 14. So the Word became human and made his home among us. Who's being referred to here? Jesus. Jesus is the Word in the flesh. When you and I start exposing ourselves to the Word of God, which is the Bible, and the Word, which is Jesus, God starts changing our lives. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Are we starting to catch on that Christmas is a way bigger deal than a one-day holiday in December? We're talking about God coming here to earth to change our lives. We're talking about the Word taking on flesh and living among us. The Word changes us. And this is why my one word, your one word, has the potential to change us. My one word can get us focused on and trusting in the Word 
which is the Bible and Jesus himself. I want to throw a, a few pictures here on the screen, a little collage. This is from last year, a few folks in the church that uh, picked their one word, and they took to social media, and they posted it, and you see these wonderful faces up here, and uh, I could tell you all their names and tell you a few stories about them and cool things that God did in their life. In fact, uh, as I'm uh, looking at these pictures, I'm, I'm actually... I, I'm getting kind of emotional because I really didn't know who all was going to be on this. I asked Grant to pick five or six people, and I knew who one of them was going to be. I didn't know who the rest of them were going to be. And I literally watched God um, do some incredible things in all of these people's lives. The one here on the bottom right hand, his name's Shane. Um, he's sitting on the front row over there right now. Um, I don't know if you can see what he's got written down there on his one word for 2017, last year, but that word is grow. And Shane recently um, wrote a post that shared his heart about two, 2017 and his one word. And I asked him if I could share it, and he said yes. And so if I haven't preached before, what I'm about to read is a sermon, and God's going to work. Listen. A little over one year ago, my wife, Alyssa, and I sat in church and listened to our pastor, that's me, speak about New Year's resolution. That's the only time I get in the story. Um, Sorry, I don't remember the entire sermon, but I'm pretty sure I remembered what he wanted us to hear. He let everyone know that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by February. How's that make you feel, resoluters? He then explained why, but I will spare the details for now. By the end of the sermon, he challenged us to focus on one word for 2017. It was a simple way to create a resolution to focus on while allowing it to adapt um, as your circumstances change throughout the year. I liked the idea. Over the next week, though, I prayed and I thought and read my Bible, talked with my wife, and after a few days, I'd only been able to come up with one word, grow. Even though I felt like the word I chose was cliche and not creative, I used it because it was the only word that came to mind no matter how long I tried to come up with something else. At this time, I was unemployed, when I got laid off, I knew I didn't enjoy that job anyway and wanted to take the layoff as an opportunity to change careers. However, like most young-ish people, I didn't know what I wanted to do and only had experience in my previous field, customer service. Over the next few months, I attempted to start a personal training business and applied for jobs constantly. I would love to tell you I also spent a ton of time in my Bible, prayer, and focusing on Jesus, but the truth is I spent my free time in the gym and on other hobbies I love. As the months went on, I began to get discouraged. I was unable to find a job, unemployment was running out, and our savings account was beginning to shrink. Through this time, I always remembered my word, but I didn't feel it was making progress, and I thought maybe, maybe I chose the wrong word for 2017. I thought maybe I should have gone with something like loser, since I felt like I was improving in that category. I ended up finally getting a job, working in fast food. I was pretty salty about it, to say the least, and didn't help my mood any. However, with a little encouragement from my friends and my small group, my wife and my mom and I put on a smile, and I was determined to do my best and fake it till I make it. Reflecting on my year, this is where things began to turn for me, in the growth department. I had a schedule, and it created routine. I added Bible study and prayer to that routine and was doubling down on my spiritual growth. I only worked in the restaurant for six weeks before beginning a full-time job, making flavor concentrates for soda and ice cream. I ended 2017 by accepting an offer to become a school teacher and begin the career I had been looking for. Life brings ups and downs, and in my personal life, through 2017, there were many. 
I ended 2016 and began 2017 making friends at church. Throughout the year, those friends have become more like family. They have prayed for and encouraged me. They have taught me what it is like to be a part of a community of believers, which is something I knew the Bible talked about, but I never experienced. This has been one of the highlights of the year. I've seen my best friend from college get his Ph.D. and married to a fantastic girl. I was able to see Alyssa's longtime best friend, who has become one of my favorite people, get married to a great guy. With the extreme highs, with the extreme highs, there were also some lows. We lost our dog, Houdini. He was pretty special to me, and putting him down was extremely difficult for me. Alyssa also lost her pop-pop this year. Something I learned this year is, though, that highs and lows, it is important to keep things in perspective. The big picture is not about our circumstances, but God's greater plan for his glory. If you read this far, I'm sure you're wondering what these things have to do with grow. I can look back over the year and the experiences I mentioned and some others I left out and see how each experience has challenged me to change and either painfully or jovially helped me to experience God in my life. Over the year, I can point to some growth that I've always needed. As a side note, uh, there... As a side note here, those who know me are waiting for me to talk about fitness. Here it is. This is going to weird some of you out. This is cool. I did happen to have a great year in the gym and put on seven pounds in the past year. Most of you are like, that's the opposite of what I tried to do. he's, He's doing this number. He wants to be like me when he grows up. So I did apply... The word grow to my gym life as well. I also want to take this moment to say thank you to the people close to me for supporting me with all my goals and occasionally reminding me where my focus should be when I fall off the wagon. I would never make any progress in my life without Alyssa and my other family and friends. It continues, and I'm going to keep reading because it's so good. In 2017, I began listening to Christmas music, Christian music, excuse me, Christmas music, sorry, Christian music more often in an attempt to help me focus continually on Jesus. I began tithing to the church this year, even while living on unemployment and working in fast food. God taught me through this experience that he will provide what Alyssa and I need, even when the numbers don't make sense. This year, we opened our home for adoption or foster care at God's leading. Even though we felt he was leading us, what he was leading us to do was impossible. I shared the gospel with coworkers for the first time since joining the workforce. I did my best to disciple coworkers that claim Christ. I learned to run toward God when struggling in a pattern of sin instead of trying to hide from Him. Seems simple, but trust me, it wasn't. I also began to praise God during tragedy and hard times. I also ended the year by taking a leap from a sure job into a temporary teaching position that may or may not become full-time, all because I feel this is where God is leading. For the record, I didn't actually do any of this myself. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no good in any of us, and I could accomplish nothing spiritually without the Holy Spirit. Through highs and lows in 2017, my largest grow moment has been to prayerfully seek after the Holy Spirit's guidance. In 2018, I plan to continue my growth, But it is time to focus on a new word. I've been considering many this year, as one didn't come to me as easy as last year. Words like read, pray, follow, disciple, and speak have all been considered. I settled on the word mission 
for 2018. For me, mission encompasses all the other words I've considered. If everything I do is purpose-driven, then I will read my Bible more, pray more, follow the steps of Christ closer, speak about my faith and the gospel more often, and disciple more regularly. Jesus gave us our mission, the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And it is something Christians must not ignore. We must go and make disciples of all nations, even the one where we live. Is that not incredible? Man, thanks for sharing your story. Shane, we pray that God continues to work in your life. I'm so thankful for how he has worked in so many of yours. I'm so excited to see what he does in your life in 2018. So as we wrap this time up, I want to give you three simple rules for picking your one word, okay? Three simple rules. Don't complicate them. Make them really, really simple, okay? Here they are. Pick one word. Pick it by February and let God use it in your life. Pick one word. Pick it by February. Let God use it in your life. Please don't ask me if it can be a hyphenated word. I don't care. I don't care. I had uh, just just pick a word. <laughs> don't complicate it, okay? Don't complicate it. Um, you're like, well, I don't know how to pick my word. Ask your wife; she might give you some insight. <laughs> Ask your kids. I, I don't mind saying the last couple weeks I've been kind of hinting, maybe not hinting, but saying to my kids that would be a great word for you this year. <clears throat> pick it by February, so you don't have to pick it today. You can. Um, in fact, we provide it on the front part of your program, a place where you can write it and post it however you want to or share it and put it up in your house or put it on social media. But have it picked by February and then just let God use it in your life. Allow him to cause the pages of scripture to come alive. Allow him to use a movie. Allow him to use whatever you experience in life to teach you and to grow you. Allow him to use even the hard, disappointing things in life. To work in your life. Pick one word. Pick it by February. Let God use it in your life. Now, let me wrap up by saying this. If you're serious about this, you will get a tattoo. If, if, can you show us yours? We're in church. It's awesome. If you're spiritual, it will be written in Greek. If you're smart, you will pick a short word. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. Let's read it. And I'm certain that God, come on, who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If he's begun a good work in you, continue to remain in the place where he can continue to do what he started, which is to redeem you, to bring you out and to bring you up and to bring himself glory. If that work has not begun in your life, it's not on God that it hasn't started. He has done everything that he's needed to do to begin this work, and his name is Jesus. He died for you. He rose again, and he wants to save you and change you and begin a good work, and today we'd love to invite you to Jesus. Let's pray.